So we're going to talk about, that's our text today, by the way. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's a lot of talk these days about liberty. We have civil liberties, we have personal liberties, we have constitutional liberties. Whatever the context, men want to be free. But in reality, the liberty of freedom that men often talk about is not freedom at all. What many call freedom is what the Bible describes as every man doing what is right in his own eyes. And some people think that's freedom. Some people would call that liberty, but that's not liberty. It's not freedom. That is sin. The good news is that Jesus came to set us free, to give us true freedom and true liberty. Our key word today is liberty for those who are keeping count of key words. True freedom is not every man doing what's right in his own eyes. True freedom is knowing the true and living God and knowing that in him we live and move and have our being. When we're born again in Christ, we are called liberated from one law and we are gracefully placed under another. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes us free from the law of sin and death. So liberty is not living out from under the law. Liberty is actually living under the right law, which is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that law delivers us from the law of sin and death. The freedom that we have in Christ is not license to sin. It is liberty from sin. Thus our text 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Father, our prayer today is simple. Our prayer is that you set us free, that you liberate us to live fully for your glory, willfully and joyfully submitted to you. Use us in a mighty way as you see fit. Grant to us repentance, turn us, empower us, Heal us and heal our land, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So this scripture, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there is liberty. I will confess to you, I have used this scripture incorrectly many times. This scripture has a very specific application It speaks of the liberation of those who have been given new hearts and new eyes to see the glory of the new and living way that is made for us in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are no longer under the condemnation of death. The law brought us under. That's what the law does. The purpose of the law was never meant to deliver us because the law is something that we cannot keep. People often look at the law today and they think that the law was given to us as a standard for us to live by and achieve our salvation by. Yes, it is a standard we are to live by, but God gave us a standard that was on purpose impossible for us to live up to. You might say, well, why would God do that? Why would God give to us a standard that he knew would be impossible for us to live up to? Well, the Bible tells us why he did that. The law was our tutor, our schoolmaster. The law showed us our need for Christ. And so the law was never meant to be our means 
to salvation. The law was meant to point us to the one who is our salvation. When the law came, the law condemned us under death because we were unable to keep its righteous and its holy demands. God was not unreasonable. God is righteous. He's not unreasonable. He is holy and he demands absolute holiness and perfection. And we, friends, cannot meet that demand. We cannot be perfect and holy. We cannot. So the law condemns us to death. Jesus came to set us free. Christ did what we could not do. Jesus kept the law of God completely, walking in the perfect obedience demanded by the Father, fulfilling all of the law's demands. Now as we trust in Jesus, as we trust in the completed work of Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ makes us free from the law of sin and death. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Your Bible translation may have the word freedom there in the place of liberty. Both words communicate the same thing. Liberty is the quality or the state of being free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is true liberty. Where? Where the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is true liberty. Is the Spirit of the Lord living on the inside of you? If He is, there inside of you is true freedom. There inside of you is liberty. Now whether you realize it or not, whether you are conscious of it, whether you comprehend it, whether you walk in that or not, is a different story. If you think of someone being incarcerated in a cell and someone comes and they unlock the door, they could even open the door, but you never walk out of that cell. You're holding yourself in bondage when you've really, in reality, been set free. This is the condition of a lot of Christians. They've been set free from Jesus, but they have no comprehension of their freedom Because they don't wash their minds with the Word of God. They don't renew their minds with the Word of God. And they never come to know the fullness of the freedom and the liberty that they have in Jesus. Instead, we often go by the world's definitions and the world's standards of freedom. And we try to measure our freedom against what the world has told us freedom is. And if you haven't realized by now, the world lies to us. And it lies to us about what freedom really is. In the Greek and the Roman world, in the context in which the scripture was written here, liberty was a term often used in a political or a cultural context describing the state or the condition of people as either being free men or being slaves. In the day that Paul lived, in the day that he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, slavery was universal. Slaves were common. There were more slaves in Rome than there were free men. And this term liberty described the condition of an individual, whether they were free or whether they were a slave. 
Therefore, the word liberty carries the connotation of no longer being under constraint. And this mostly is what we believe liberty is, living with no constraint. Constraint is an important concept in relation to liberty. True liberty or true freedom as we see it in the scripture is not the absence of constraint. It is instead an exchange of one constraint for another. So the scripture in Romans 8, Romans 7 into Romans 8 tells us we're in bondage to sin. There is a law at work, Paul writes in Romans 7. There's a law at work in my members. It's the law of sin and death. And then in chapter 8, he says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set me free, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul went from one law, the law of sin and death, and he came under another law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. Constraint is not the freedom, or liberty is not the freedom from constraint, Liberty is being put under another constraint. Whether we know it or not, we are constrained by one or the other. We're either under the law of sin and death or we are under the law of the spirit of life in Christ. We see this throughout the scripture, this exchange, this reality that liberty, that freedom involves constraint. Adam and Eve were free in the garden, but they were constrained concerning the tree. The children of Israel were delivered from the constraint of Pharaoh to the constraint of God. They went from one law in Egypt to another law in the wilderness. Jesus, the Son of God, modeled this perfect perfectly for us. Jesus was completely free as he willingly and joyfully submitted to the will of his father. Jesus didn't grudgingly submit to his father. Oh, I guess I have to because my father says. That's what we do as children, right? I guess I have to obey because my mom said, my dad said. That's not willful. That's not joyful. That's grudgingly. That's reluctantly. That's not what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus was completely free as he willingly and joyfully submitted to the will of his Father. He was constrained in the perfect love that he and his Father had for one another. Like Christ, it is in love that we are to be constrained in the will of God. It is in the constraints of God's love that we find true freedom. I'm going to say that again. It is in the constraints of God's love that we find true freedom. We often think we are free because we have no obvious constraint upon our life, but that's that's never the case, whether we realize that or not. We are always under constraint. We are constrained by the law of sin and death until By God's grace, we have come to be constrained by the law of the spirit of life in Christ. True liberty involves an exchange of one constraint for another. And this process is described by Jesus as being made free. John 8, 31 and 32. 
Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word translated free in John 8, 32 is the verb form of the same word translated liberty or freedom in 2 Corinthians three seventeen. To make you free is the action performed that gives you liberty. Before you can be free, someone has to make you free. There has to be the act of being made free take place before you can possess the freedom that God gives to us. Thus, we must understand that the process of making one free is the process of receiving the gift of liberty, and that gift comes only from God. It's not a gift we give ourselves. It's a gift that God gives to us. We're Americans. We live in the greatest nation on earth. We live in a constitutional republic. You do realize that, right? We do not live in a democracy. You do not want to live in a democracy. Go look it up. Do your history homework. Go see what a true democracy is. You don't want to live in a true democracy. We live in a democratic system. We live under the rule of law, not majority rule, not mob rule. The majority doesn't get to make the rules in America. The Constitution, the laws we live under govern our freedom. There are constraints we live under as free Americans. It is the constraint of our Constitution, the constraint of our laws, and thank God we do. And why do we have that system? Because it's modeled after the very system God created. And the blessings of liberty that we have, we have because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the men who founded this nation founded it based on those gospel principles that were long passed down through the centuries. Liberty comes from God. It doesn't matter whether it's American liberty or British liberty or or whatever country that you happen to live in that you have liberty in. You live in communist China and you have very limited liberty. You still are free in Jesus Christ. Because our liberty ultimately is not dependent upon a government except for the government of God. And the government of God is not what begins in Washington or Beijing or some capital city. The government of God is what must begin right here in our hearts. This is where Jesus must rule first. And if Jesus is ruling here, then we are free, no matter what the government says. Liberty is a gift from God with constraints. Liberty is a concept we should all hold dear, though it is greatly misunderstood. We correctly associate liberty with freedom, but liberty is not the freedom to do whatever we want, when we want, and how we want. True liberty has constraint. Liberty comes from God, and true liberty possesses the moral constraint consistent with the nature and the character of the God from which it originates. Liberty is a gift of grace that God gives to his children in Jesus Christ. It is not given that we may continue living in sin to ourselves, but liberty is given to us that we may live free from sin 
to his glory. The only way we live in true liberty is to embrace the constraints that by necessity come with it. Living free is living to God's glory, and this is the constraint that comes with our freedom given to us in Christ. Christ has set us free from the sin, from sin and death that once held us captive, and now we live to his glory as we live in his freedom. Liberty does not mean license. Do you know that's what the opposite of liberty is? Is license. Do you know what license is? I'm fixing to tell you. License is behavior that's lacking in moral restraint. License is believing I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and no one can tell me any different. That's license. That's not liberty. Many people today think that if they could live that way, they would live liberated. But that is absolutely not what liberty is. It's actually the opposite of what true liberty is. Now, we've lost this definition in our modern world, in our modern sensibilities that aren't very sensible. Throughout most of history, men understood this, that the enemy of liberty was license. The enemy of liberty was doing whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. That's not liberty. That's not freedom. That's license, and license is the enemy of freedom. Jude 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness or license and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot live to his glory if we do not understand the grace of God and the power of his love that sets us free from sin. When we turn the grace of God into lewdness, we reject the constraint of God's holiness and God's love as revealed in his word and in Jesus Christ. We deny the only Lord God and we deny our Lord Jesus Christ. True liberty cannot exist without constraint. And constraint should produce in us restraint. There is a difference between constraint and restraint, and that is this. Constraint is what comes from the outside. Restraint is what comes from within. And if we are truly free, we will embrace both of those. So think of it this way. Constraint is the limitation placed on us from the outside. For example, God's law, God's word. Restraint is the limitation placed on us from the inside. For example, the fruit of the Spirit exercising self-control. The Word, of God, the Word of God provides the outward constraint that governs how we should live. The Spirit of God provides the inward restraint so that we can exercise self-control. They're very similar, but they are different. License is what the scripture describes as behaviors and lifestyles that abandon moral restraint. And we abandon moral restraint. I have no self-control. I'm going to go do what I want, when I want, 
I'm going to drink as much as I want. I'm going to gamble as much as I want. I'm going to sex as much as I want. I'm going to steal as much as I want. I'm going to drink as much as I want. And no one can tell me any different. I'm not going to exercise any restraint. I'm not going to exercise any self-control. And when men do that, they are ignoring, they are denying the constraints that are placed on them by the Word of God. When I live my life without restraint, when I have no self-control and I give myself to whatever I want, I am ignoring the constraint that is above me. That is God. That is His Word. That's His holiness, His righteousness, His nature that governs everything. I will either ignore that or deny that. And if I do that, I will live without moral restraint. That's called license. The world uses the terms freedom and liberty to promote the idea that men should be free to live unconstrained from any outside moral authority. We call that anarchy. No authority. That's not freedom. That's chaos and sin. That's the way many men want to live their lives without any outside moral authority. And when they do that, they think they're free. And they cast off all inward moral restraint. That's what liberty is to the world. But that's not what the Bible calls liberty or freedom. When we live any way we want, doing anything we want, believing whatever we want, and calling anything we want good, even when the Bible calls it evil, that is not freedom. The only constraints many want are ones that will protect and promote their sin and their rebellion against God. Now, people want constraint. They want constraints, they want laws, they want assurances that they are free to do whatever they want. And they say, Pastor, keep your Bible to yourself. Keep your religion to yourself. We don't need laws, we don't need rules that limit whatever men can do, because we should be free to do whatever we want. In fact, we're going to pass a law that makes it illegal for you to call my lifestyle sinful. Oh, well, you, you don't want any authority, don't want any laws, but you do want the laws and the authorities that are going to protect you and your sin. Those are the constraints that sinful men want, which proves the point that none of us live out from under any constraint. 1 Peter 2.15 talks about how we are to use our liberty For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. We may be given the civil right to cast off moral constraint with the blessing of the civil government, but we have no moral right from God to do that. And God always trumps the civil government. And don't ever forget that. 
We cannot cast off moral constraint with the blessing of God. God's very righteousness and holiness constrains us. This is true even when men ignore the word of God and choose to live as though there is no God and no moral constraint upon them. God's righteous constraint in his word governs all things and is not conditioned on man's belief or man's response. Man can rebel, but he cannot change the authority with which God governs all things. We are under the constraint of God, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not. Thus, Paul writes in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. God, through His Word and in the revelation of Himself in Christ, constrains us. Accordingly, he commands us and empowers us by his grace to restrain ourselves from within and through love serve one another. It's not a moral obligation under the threat of punishment or reward that should motivate us to serve one another and our king. But we do this from the liberty with which we have been set free in the love of God. We do it out of love, the same way Jesus, the same reason Jesus did the will of his Father, because he loved his Father. It was his good pleasure to do the will of the Father. Is it our good pleasure to do the will of our Father, the will of our Savior? The love of God constrains us. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. In the King James, it says, For the love of God constraineth us. The love of God constrains us. The gospel is the message of God's love with the power to save us. His love constrains us. The love of God is the power that holds us in place. It keeps us on track. It grows us and moves us forward in the work of God, in the work of the kingdom. This is faith working by love. Our faith must work. Our faith is not passive. Our faith has got to be active. And our faith works by love. Before the gospel of Christ entered in to save us and set us free, we were constrained by sin and death. We had no power to be set free. We had no power to restrain ourselves from sin the sin that ruled our dead hearts. You do realize that before Jesus saved you, before you were born again, before God gave you a new heart, you had a dead heart. And you were dead, trapped, smushed under that giant rock of sin, dead. Unable to do anything until God in His grace lifted that off of you and resurrected you in life and set you free from that sin and death. This is exactly what Jesus means when he utters the words, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is the truth that makes us free from sin and death. Not the way we live with no constraint. Not that we may live with no constraint, but that we may live constrained in his love. 
Living without constraint is not freedom. It is chaos and sin. Jesus liberated us from the constraint of sin and death so that we could live under the constraint of his life and his love. It is a lie to believe that we can live without any constraint upon our life and call that freedom. There is always God's word that is eternally governing all things. And as believers in Christ, we of all people must know this and we must make this known. The world doesn't want to hear it, but unless they hear the truth, they can never be set free. For those who trust in Christ, we are governed by his word, which means we are governed by his love, poured into our hearts by his spirit. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes us free from the law of sin and death. The truth sets us free and brings us into the glorious liberty of our life in Christ. If you are trusting Jesus, you are free today. Free to live according to his will. James 1.25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The phrase perfect law of liberty could, stand, could sound contradictory to many people who believe that law and liberty are mutually exclusive terms. How can you have liberty and at the same time have law? But they are not mutually exclusive. They work perfectly together. Thus, this is why James uses this phrase, the perfect law of liberty. There can be no liberty without law. And this is why James calls it the perfect law. Of liberty. If Christ has made you free, you are living under that perfect law of liberty. You are free to hear and free to do the word of God and the work of God. And when we are in bondage to sin, we had no eyes to see, we had no ears to hear. But now in the liberty that's given to us in Christ, we have eyes that see and ears that hear. Now we can look into the perfect law of liberty and we can now continue in it. That is freedom. Looking into the perfect law of liberty is like looking into a mirror. And Paul uses the same metaphor in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the very verse after our text. Let me read these two verses together for you. Verse 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror... The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. When was the last time you looked into a mirror and saw Jesus staring back at you? Did that happen to you this morning as you were preparing to come to work to see whether you had spinach in your teeth or come to church? See if your hair was just right? I mean, I have to look in the mirror every day and make sure my hair is not out of place. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Well, you see yourself. Well, this sounds kind of silly. Why would Paul be talking about looking in the mirror and seeing Jesus? That's, that's what he's saying. That's what he's presenting to us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you've been set free by the truth as it is in Jesus, if Christ has set you free, that only means one thing. That means you've been born again. If you've been born again, that means God has placed His Spirit in you. If God's placed His Spirit in you, that means that Jesus lives in you by the Spirit of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The problem is, when we look in the mirror, we never see Jesus. We only see ourselves. Because we don't have a comprehension of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because freedom to us is not being free to do the will of God. We buy into the lie of the world and we believe freedom is about us being free to do whatever we want. To live for ourselves, to live to ourselves. And then we want to carry God around in our pocket and make sure that we have his blessing on it every so often, right? As we pursue our dreams and our visions and and our own kingdoms. But that's not why we're here. Beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord is the same as looking into the perfect law of liberty. We are looking into the face of Jesus Christ. For the knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you are trusting in Jesus, if you are born again, Christ lives in you. By the Holy Spirit, our life is to make manifest His life. Paul writes this in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, you are God's field. Think of a field growing corn. If you're a farmer, Billy, when you plant corn or you plant hay, what are you trying to get an increase of? The corn or the hay? Let me put it in plain English. Paul says you're the dirt. Well, who's the seed? We'll go all the way back to Genesis. Jesus is the seed. He's always been the seed. He is the seed of promise. It's never been about seeds multiple, Paul says in Galatians 3. He says it's always been about one seed, Jesus Christ. We're the dirt. Jesus is the seed. No farmer plants his seed in the ground and then prays for an increase of the dirt. A farmer plants his seed in the ground and prays for an increase of the seed. Many Christians live their lives as though they're planting seed and trying to get a harvest of dirt because it's all about us. It's all about me, Jesus. No, I'm sorry, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. We plant the seed to get a harvest, an increase of the seed. Jesus is the seed. We are the field. Christ is the seed. We're the dirt. It's the seed that needs to increase. If Christ has made you free, he is in you. Make Christ seen. Make Christ known. Make Christ manifest in your life. It's not about us. It's about him. If Christ has not made you free, 
you need to be set free. You need the liberty that only he can provide. You need to be set free from sin and from death. And only Jesus, who is the truth, can make you free. Only Christ can give you true liberty and true freedom. Anything else is a lie. If you have never trusted in Christ, then trust in him now. Cry out to him, call upon his name in faith, and he will hear you. He will save you. He will set you free. That is his promise. That is his word. Amen? Well, let's prepare to come to the table of the Lord. As you have trusted in Christ, you are invited to this table. There is no formula for salvation. There's just a name. There's just a person. It's Jesus. Call upon him. Trust in him right now and be saved. If you are free, come to this table and thank God for your freedom that was given to you by the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, come to the table. We'll all take the elements together in just a moment. Let's all stand. Here's your charge today. The world wants freedom. It seeks freedom. And all the while it sinks deeper into the bondage of sin and despair. Because outside of Christ, apart from the truth, there is no freedom. Much of the church today is seeking the same kind of freedom that the world desires. The church has embraced the world and has invited it in figuratively and literally to build pagan altars and worship pagan gods. All in the name of freedom and acceptance and love. But apart from the gospel of Christ, there is no freedom. There is only bondage of sin, bondage of death, and the hatred of God and the hatred of men. The men we refuse to tell the truth are the men that we hate. The church has embraced the freedom to murder babies for convenience, calling it the Lord's work. The church has embraced lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender, and queer lifestyles and called them not only normal, but holy in the eyes of God. On both sides of the spectrum, the church embraces hate, but we call it love. If we are the church and we are truly free, then we must embrace the constraints of God as revealed in his word and modeled in Jesus Christ. As Jesus did with his father, we must submit willingly and joyfully in the love of God. We are abundantly blessed in this nation and it is because we once wholly embraced the gospel of Christ. Do not think that we cannot lose his blessings because we already are. Nothing is free, not even our salvation. And though it is God's free gift to us, the salvation that we possess costs Jesus his life. Freedom is never free. If we do not resist the spirit of this age that has infiltrated the church, we will lose more than we can imagine. I'm not being an alarmist. I'm being honest with you, and I hope you realize that. God did not put us here to build our own kingdoms, but to advance his. We are not the subject of his story. He is. We have a part to play, but it's a supporting role with the purpose of glorifying him. 
If we have an issue with that, then we have an issue with God and we need to repent. If we are trusting in Jesus, we will not lose our salvation. But there are many blessings we can lose. We can lie to ourselves and say with the song, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. But in that day that we find ourselves having lost more than we could ever imagine, we will realize just how much there is to lose. Don't idly wait for that day to come. Stand fast in the faith and resist the darkness. We are in a spiritual battle, but the good news is that Christ has already won the victory for us. It is time for us to wake up out of our slumber, to rise up with God, and to go to the work. There is work that we are called to do. It's time to go to the work. And when we do that, and as we do that, we will see his enemies scattered. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And God will arise as the church arises. Amen?